0: I'm Brenna Pakes, graduate gemologist with a background in geology as well as a former flight attendant. I've worked in the retail sector and now as a jewelry consultant through a blog and podcast. My mission is to connect shoppers to indie jewelers and designers who create beyond the commercial boundaries for shoppers who want to distinguish their unique style I also share tips on how to care for jewelry you already have, as well as the stories of the designers I feature, and visit with experts in all aspects of the jewelry trade, along with social media influencers who serve to guide and inform as well. If you like jewelry that stands out and complements what makes you unique, then come with me today and board every episode for jewelry I've discovered by jewelers and designers who create with unique designs and rare gems for those who want to stand out rather than blend in with the trends. This is the Jewelry Navigator podcast. If your destination is a place to learn about and find unique jewelry, then welcome aboard and enjoy the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, please direct your attention to your local fine jeweler or designer of your choice as they share jewelry and services suited for what you want or need. In case of a sudden safety clasp malfunction and your jewelry item drops into a body of water or is lost, it's imperative to know whether to panic and cry or breathe normally. We know you have a choice in podcasts and what you listen to. So thank you for choosing Jewelry Navigator Podcast for your jewelry information and entertainment. Once we reach our cruising altitude, we'll be through the cabin with complimentary jewelry information and be sure to hold up your hand so we can see your beautiful jewelry. You're on board Jewelry Navigator episode 11. Chips are for lunch. They're not diamonds. And other helpful tips to shop with confidence and understand what you already have in your jewelry box. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Welcome aboard. Hey there. Join me in the boarding lounge today as I share jewelry terminology and concepts to help you decide what to purchase and understand more about what you already have in your jewelry box. Have you ever found jewelry at a yard sale or even in your own jewelry box and not known if it's what most people refer to as Good jewelry, basically meaning made with real gems and not imitation or lab created or whether or not the metal is actual gold or sterling silver. Well, this is kind of a safety demo podcast to share what qualities make certain jewelry more valuable than other pieces, and as a guide for you to use for future purchases and tips for what you already have so you can shop and care for your jewelry with confidence. I felt like before I go on to any other podcasts, it's really helpful to understand what you already have like I just said but also to be able to determine what you what you want to purchase in the future and whether or not it's going to be what we call fine jewelry or fashion jewelry. But first I want to thank everyone for joining me every week and listening so far to learn more about jewelry and as well as the jewelers and designers that I've featured so far. And I'm so grateful for them for sharing their stories. And I have a lot more to come, really exciting things. But since I started Jewelry Navigator podcast in March of this year, my audience has grown a lot in the U.S. as well as with other listeners from around the world including places like Australia, Germany, Spain, South Africa, Jordan, Cyprus, Canada, Hong Kong, Iran, South Korea, and Ireland. So you guys, I am watching you tune in. I'm watching people click in and listen from all over the globe, and I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. And um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope it's all helpful. It looks to me like I'm on the right track. But if there's anything that you want to hear that's different or you have questions, please let me know. You can find me on Instagram. I'm usually hanging out there um, a lot. (laughs) And I try to get over to Facebook and Twitter as much as I can. And that should be changing. But you can always reach me at my email, which is Brenna at jewelrynavigator.com. Okay. So what makes metals used in jewelry better than just regular metal? And is one better than another? If it looks like gold, then is it right? These things can be confusing. And what about gold and silver plated jewelry? What's the difference from actual gold? What about the gemstones? Are there really ones more precious than others? to be called semi-precious? If the diamond's set in a halo around a center stone and on the sides of a piece, an item of jewelry, especially rings, if those are small diamonds, are they even diamonds or are they just small pieces or diamond chips? And speaking of diamonds, if you didn't already know, like most every other gemstone, diamonds are now being lab-created or man-made in labs in just a few weeks rather than millions of years. These are some of the challenges shoppers face to distinguish the difference between fine and fashion jewelry choices that I'll be sharing with you today. To some people, jewelry is just jewelry, whether it's $5 or $5,000. So making selections and choices that mesh with what you want and what's available with enough education to send you in the right direction is what I want to do in this podcast. And if you have any other specific questions, like I said earlier, just send them my way. So here's the scoop on what the difference is between fine and fashion jewelry. And while you'll only see chips served on sandwiches and not in jewelry, (laughs) jewelry can be divided into two main categories, fine jewelry and fashion jewelry. I've seen subdivisions from there with terms used like semi fine couture jewelry, costume jewelry, and high jewelry. I'm not going to split hairs so much, but I'll try to explain the differences between them in a few minutes. But the main categories are fine jewelry and fashion jewelry. For now, the important thing to distinguish between the two is that fine jewelry is created with precious materials of precious metals and gemstones, while fashion jewelry, sometimes referred to as costume jewelry, is created with base metals, and I'll explain what a base metal is in a couple of minutes, but um, the difference between that and plated metals like gold-filled jewelry and things that might be set with gemstone simulants like glass or cubic zirconia or even synthetic gemstones made in labs so let's take one component at a time starting with the fine jewelry to be considered fine jewelry like i said it needs to be created with precious metal and those are combinations of the noble metals with alloys and according to encyclopedia britannica the definition of a noble metal is any of the several metallic chemical elements that have outstanding resistance to oxidation, even at high temperatures. The grouping is not strictly defined, but usually is considered to include rhenium, ruthenium, rhodium, palladium, silver, osmium, iridium, platinum, and gold. So of the noble metals, gold, platinum, silver, and palladium are used on a regular basis to make fine jewelry. Although there are some other alternative and exotic metals that are used that are kind of cool. And I'll try to get into that in a little bit, but for now we're gonna focus on gold, palladium, and platinum. And the reason these metals are used is that their resistance to corrosion is excellent their ability to secure gemstones in their settings and universal tools and methods to create and repair them are and they're the easiest to work with so that's why they're selected to be used in fine jewelry in their pure state gold silver and platinum are soft and they need alloys added to them to make them harder and more durable to use in jewelry But when alloys are added, it changes the purity or content of gold. So there needed to be a way to regulate the consistency of content in precious metals in the jewelry. So the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, set strict guidelines for manufacturers to follow each carat weight standard. And in the show notes, as well as in the blog post, I'll include a helpful link to an article through the FTC that explains those guidelines and shows you exactly what the content is for each gold purity. But in jewelry, both gold and gemstone weights are measured in carats. And this can be confusing, I know, but all you need to know is the carat measurement for metal is denoted with a K and spelled with a K, so it's K-A-R-A-T. And that carat weight is specifically for purity. And by purity, we mean how much of the actual precious metal is present in that carat weight to combine with it to make the piece of jewelry. So for instance, 14 carat gold jewelry is a percentage of 58.5% pure gold with the remaining percentage being alloys to strengthen it or change the color. And the carrot weight for gemstones is spelled with a C so that's C-A-R-A-T and that's strictly a measurement for weight. Both of those carrot weight measurements originated from when they used carob seeds from the carob tree used to um, measure small weight standards. And the carob tree was common enough to be able to use it in a universal means for measuring valuable materials. In the US, the lowest acceptable gold purity for fine jewelry is 10 carat, but it can go up to 22 carat. And the higher the carat weight, the richer the color of gold and there's a designer that i really like she uses only 22 karat gold in a lot of her jewelry well most of her jewelry some of it's 18 karat but it's so pretty it's so warm and rich and it's called everyday luxury nyc i love her rounded bands especially the ones set with gems and diamonds she features color sapphires in a series of bands with a collection called lizzie and one that's set with orange sapphires is just so unique it catches my attention every time and she also makes a line of dangle hoop earrings where the dangles can be interchanged with a wide variety of gem options like um there's one that's really pretty it's a slice of lavender sapphire set in an oval bezel And um, I feel like for the high carat gold, her prices are very reasonable. So you can find her at Everyday Luxury NYC or on her Etsy shop as well under the same name most fine jewelry is either 14 karat or 18 karat here in the states and if you look on the inside of a gold ring or the end of a bracelet on that end tab or even the back side of an earring back there should be a stamp with a number followed by a k or kt so that designates that it is part gold and I'll tell you the designators for gold filled and gold plated jewelry in a few minutes. But not all manufacturers stamp by the K or KT for the purity, but by the percentage or parts per thousands where 14 karat is stamped 585. You know how I mentioned a few minutes ago that 14 carat is 58.5% actual pure gold. That's what those numbers mean. So 18 carat is 75%. So you'll see the number 750. So if you ever see those numbers, don't throw it away. It's real gold. I'll include how to figure out those percentage carats of the carat of gold on the blog post or in the show notes. It's kind of cool and kind of fun to play with. But anyway, gold can also be different colors, like White gold and platinum, the white metals have enjoyed some popularity in the past years, but yellow gold and rose gold have been pretty high contenders over the last probably two to five years, which is really exciting. But white gold is not a pure white metal. It's a combination of yellow gold with white mellow metal alloys like silver and nickel palladium that make the gold silver or white tone. Over time, the white gold wears down to reveal kind of a yellow base color. And a lot of people, because it's white gold and you want it to stay white or a shiny silver color, it can be restored to that white luster with a rhodium plating. And any jeweler can do that for definitely should be under $50. But it's it's called rhodium plating and it turns the gold back to its original white shiny color rose gold like we were just talking about has enjoyed a resurgence in popularity and looks really pretty with those pale pink stones like morganite and even pink diamonds but rose gold is alloyed with copper to make it that kind of that pinky orangey color green gold actually there is such a thing is alloyed with silver and blue gold is alloyed with iron so in addition of different metals will make the the gold turn a different color which is kind of cool and fun white precious metals most commonly used in jewelry are platinum and palladium and sterling silver platinum and palladium are in the platinum family group on the elemental periodic table and they're pure they're mostly pure. There are some alloys added to that, so the carat weight system doesn't apply to them as much as the gold does because the content is more pure. I don't know much about metalsmithing, but I do know when I see amazing museum-worthy work. Working with one metal for a ring or an item of jewelry is standard, but not with our Sementov. I'll be featuring him soon in a podcast and a special feature, but his jewelry literally stops time. He and his jewelry artists create jewelry masterpieces similar in detail to iconic designs of Fabergé and the big design houses, the big high couture designers, but he's here in America. He's actually in Nantucket. And I'll be including some photos of his amazing jewelry in my blog post. I post a lot on my feed of his jewelry because it's just mind-blowingly amazing and gorgeous. And I think what catches my attention besides the designs are the show-stopping gemstones that he uses. I mean, big, yummy, juicy, savorite, and rubellite and spessartite, and really exotic stones that you'd don't see too much but he showcases them so beautifully then uses precious metal to interpret nature influenced themes and he balances his designs with hand-selected gemstones specific to the details of the piece so neither the precious metal or the gem overpowers the other but work together to complete expressions beyond words with one-of-a-kind jewelry treasures I can't wait for you to see these things. They're just amazing. And I hope to get to see him maybe this summer because I'd love to see his studio. If you're in Nantucket for the summer, you surely owe yourself a visit to his, his shop. And I'll include his address in the show notes as well as the blog post. And um, be on the lookout for a, a very exclusive interview with him that I have for an upcoming podcast. What made me mention our Sementov is his masterful way that he combines metals. He uses a lot of palladium and platinum and then inlays 24 karat gold into the design to make the different designs. But that brings me back to platinum to um, to tell you that platinum is very dense. If you hold a gold ring in one hand and a platinum in the other it, the platinum one is going to be very heavy um, not crazy heavy but <laughs> it's definitely a big difference it's a very dense metal and it doesn't need to be mixed with as many alloys like gold does or like white gold so there's more of the actual precious metal that makes it more pure and therefore it contributes to the cost of platinum. Besides it being um, more rare than gold, there's more of it in the platinum jewelry. Just a small, smaller amount of alloy is added to the platinum or palladium and it's usually one of the metals in the platinum group that they use as an alloy. Some other differences to take into consideration with white metals used in jewelry is white gold is more brittle than platinum. It's harder though. Platinum, even though it's dense, it's softer and malleable, and it doesn't wear like white gold in a couple of different ways. Um, One good thing is it never needs to be rhodium plated because it is a pure white metal, but as platinum wears, It wears down to a patina, which is a soft, almost a brushed finish. So it's not as shiny as white gold, but it does have a softer, more, um, just a softer finish than the bright, shiny white of the white gold. But the really nice thing is that because it is malleable and softer, it can be engraved and pierced like all of that really pretty punch work that you see in the vintage and estate rings, in a lot of the antique styles that you'll see, maybe your grandmother's ring or your great aunt's ring. One of the major differences between platinum and gold is that when platinum is scratched or dented, the metal is just displaced. So it It scratches and it doesn't leave the surface of the metal, whereas with gold, whether it's white or yellow gold, when it scratches or hit or even just by wearing away, the gold is removed. It doesn't stay on the surface. So that's one characteristic of platinum that is a benefit is that it wears well because it doesn't wear away. Palladium is a good go between between platinum and white gold because it's still again it's a white metal so it doesn't need to be rhodium plated and it's not as expensive as platinum. It's probably a little bit more than white gold but it's definitely a good compromise if you want a pure white metal. And then we have sterling silver. Sterling silver is a lot softer than the other white metals that we were just talking about. And it's not good for wearing in rings that are going to be important, daily wear rings, because it is softer. It does scratch, but it can be polished back to a bright finish. But like gold, the metal wears away when it wears away. I came across a wonderful comprehensive visual of all the different precious metals. It's a precious metals guide by Corey Egan. She's a jeweler out in, I believe, San Francisco. And she made a whole stack of rings, just plain bands. And from the profile, you can see the color that the metals are. It's a really good guide. If you're not familiar with what each individual metal looks like. So I'll post that in the post as, as well as the show notes. But once again, her name is Corey Egan. And I happened to post that photo of her stack of rings a few days ago on my Instagram feed. So you can go back and look at that as well. Okay, so now that you know a little more about the solid precious metals used in making jewelry, let's talk about plated metals. The most common plated jewelry for gold is gold-filled or rolled gold or gold vermeil, which is V-E-R-M-E-I-L. There's also gold-plated or dipped. Jewelry metal that's plated with silver or gold begins the cutoff between fine and fashion jewelry. Fine jewelry can be worked on and repaired because it is a solid pure metal, whereas the fashion jewelry, unfortunately, jewelers' torches, they burn too high in order to solder the two ends together or even do any work. It will burn off the plating. So that's one advantage to choosing jewelry that's made with the either gold, platinum, palladium, or silver. And... But the nice thing about the plated jewelry is you still get the look of gold or silver jewelry for a lot less because the metal is coated with a layer of the precious metal. Gold vermeil is always gold-plated sterling silver, so it's gold plate over sterling silver. One jeweler I follow, who I adore, Jewelers Row. She makes a really beautiful line of gold vermeil jewelry with enamel work. I'll post her things in the post as well, but it's Jewelers, J U L E R S Row. She's also the artist who makes the the canvas prints of gemstones and really pretty antique jewelry. So she does a lot of home decor things with jewelry too. So really cool things. And the nice thing with the gold vermeil is that it's a fraction of the cost of regular gold jewelry. The other kind of plated jewelries that you'll find are gold filled or rolled gold. Gold, And they're made with a thin layer of 10 or 14 carat that's adhered to a base metal. And a base metal is usually a combination of maybe brass and copper with some other white metals like tin or zinc and these gold-filled and gold-rolled, they're adhered to those base metals through pressure and temperature. So they'll last longer and the layer of gold is thicker than what plating is. Plating is just a very fine coating of gold over sterling silver or a white base metal or um, brass. And a lot of times those will wear through pretty quickly. All of this, what I'm talking about, depends on what your budget is, if it's important to you to have something that will last longer, and if it is, then you'll need to go with something that's a fine jewelry piece so that will last longer. But if it's just something fun that you want to have, or even good to wear when you're traveling, so you're not traveling with your valuable jewelry, the gold-filled and rolled gold jewelry, plated jewelry, those are good options to keep in mind and to have on hand when you're when you want to do that kind of thing they're fun it's fun jewelry some of them are set with natural gemstones like jeweler's row she uses um, clear topaz and a lot of her pieces One other thing I wanted to mention about precious metals is a lot of jewelers and designers are now using reclaimed or recycled metals like gold and platinum so that you know that you're contributing to an environmental cause that's protecting the environment from having to mine for new gold they're refining the old gold and turning it back into jewelry and other components that gold is used for. But Thesis Gems is one of the companies that is one of my favorites. She's out in San Francisco Bay Area. She makes a lot of really pretty hammered pieces set with Savorite, the really pretty bright green garnet. I did a feature on her earlier in one of the podcasts, but you can see her jewelry at thesisgems.com. And then another really cool aspect about using recycled metals, not necessarily precious metals, are using components from different things that we use every day, but are, are either broken or Um, Damaged, And I've mentioned and done an interview with Crash Jewelry, um, Christy Schimpke with Crash Jewelry. She turns high-end luxury and sports car parts, the painted parts, into jewelry, and that's Crash Jewelry, by using parts from Ferraris and Maseratis, Mercedes, Porsche, all those high-end luxury cars. There's another jeweler who turns parts from old airplanes that have been abandoned in the what they call the airplane graveyards out in the deserts. He takes parts from old World War II airplanes and turns them into jewelry. His name is Jerry Moran of Griffin Designs. And once again, I'll include all of these in my blog post and the show notes too. Let's move on to gemstones. There are three qualifying factors that a mineral needs to meet in order to become, or to be, (laughs) to be classified as a gemstone, something that can be set and worn in jewelry. And those three qualifiers are rarity, durability, and beauty. Of those three, the most important is durability. And GIA defines durability as a gemstone's ability to withstand wear, heat, light, household chemicals, and low or high humidity. Since different gemstones have different properties, they have varying tolerances to these stressors. In evaluating a gemstone's durability, gem experts consider three factors, hardness, toughness, and stability. No single gemstone scores a perfect 10, so you should weigh all three of these factors when choosing which gemstones or piece of jewelry is right for you. And that's quoted from GIA's blog, the four C's dot GIA dot edu. Rarity has to do with how available a certain source is. Gemstones like tanzanite, their sources are running out and will be obsolete in the next few years. Also, rare and unusual gemstones like taphite and color change garnet like the bikili garnets that you'll see on site on my site with um california girl jewelry and the gemstones i mentioned that our simantov uses as well as thesis gems and her savorite garnets those stones are truly rare and will command a higher price where gemstones maybe like blue topaz and citrine they're more common it doesn't necessarily mean I guess rarity can kind of be a relative term when it comes to minerals that are more common but the crystals that can be faceted into fine gemstones that's where that difference comes in beauty is somewhat subjective but some of the scientific components that contribute to a gemstones beauty would be things like the refractive index how well the gemstone returns light how transparent it is the color all of those things contribute to standards of beauty but there again it's very subjective and depends on what you like some people like certain colors and they'll love those gemstones but other people's other people may not find them as attractive it's just all up to you and along the same lines as rarity and beauty I want to address the terminology of precious gemstones and semi-precious gemstones I feel every gemstone is precious and to designate one that's less precious than another is just wrong i understand that some are more common and therefore they're not as valuable it doesn't necessarily mean that they're less precious so i think that that's done a disservice to the jewelry industry i also think that it's turned a curve and a lot of people understand they that they love a gemstone because of its color not because that it's part of the four either diamond ruby emerald or sapphire But that should not be part of anybody's vocabulary because all gemstones are precious. It's taken them thousands of years to form and under conditions that are next to miraculous. So every single gemstone is precious in my book. Okay, here we go. I'm going to talk about diamonds. Not big diamonds, but little diamonds. And this is <laughs> this is where it came up with the idea for the chips are for sandwiches, not jewelry. When people see small teeny diamonds as accent stones in rings or jewelry, they assume that they're not real. Well, they're real, but what, what are they? They can't see them, they're very small. Just because they're really small doesn't mean that they're any less diamond than. A larger one they're not called chips although i did research it there are at one time there were at one time stones that they were literally chips off of diamonds that they would set into jewelry that's no longer done little teeny diamonds are either single cut which on those only have 17 or 18 facets and it they don't sparkle quite as much as something that's full cut and that has 57 or 58 facets those teeny tiny diamonds that people call chips they actually have a name they're called Melly and that's m-e-l-e-e it's any diamond or gemstone for that matter that's under three and a half millimeters and they're used as accent stones They're very small, but they're called melly. So the next time you go into your jeweler and you want to discuss designing a new piece of jewelry for yourself, or you're looking at jewelry, you can actually call those melly instead of chips. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and I could go on with so much more, but the big takeaway today is fine jewelry can be worked on, can be changed, altered, whereas fashion jewelry Really can't, and it's limited. But if you wanted to size it or repair it, the fashion jewelry just won't hold up to the heat of the torch and it won't be able to be repaired. So, those are the main differences that you need to know. And it's okay to have fashion jewelry, that's fine, it looks great, but you need to know it's probably not going to last forever, it's not going to last as long as something that's made with precious metals and precious gemstones so until next time make sure you fasten those safety clasps and check those earring backs talk to you next time bye bye